2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
3: Hey. Hey, so I got right bunch, F, shuttle, Tom and Jerry right yellow. Orange, 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 let's go.
4: 13 seconds to go in the overtime.
3: Shut We're good, we're good!
4: A touchdown wins the game.
3: Right side touchdown! Kansas City! There is a back to back Super Bowl champion,
4: and it is the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: Him oh, man. Patrick Holmes mic'd up on the last play of overtime when the Chiefs scored a touchdown pass on dog with a little ketchup and mustard, a variation on a play that resulted in the touchdown last year in Super Bowl 57. Chiefs get the win in overtime on the second possession. And one of the things, Chris, that will continue to resonate in the aftermath of the Super Bowl, and I think will be very instructive for teams in the future, and also fans. When this happens, the next time we go to overtime in the postseason with the rules that guarantee a possession for both teams. Do you kick? Do you receive? Do you defer? What do you do? What's the strategy? What's the analytics? How does it all work? There was a lot also raised in the aftermath of the game about what the players knew regarding this new frontier of overtime that guarantees a possession for both teams. Let's hear and witness the contrast between Kyle Juszczyk, the 49ers fullback, what he knew, what the 49ers knew, and Chris Jones from the Chiefs about what he and the Chiefs knew once overtime was activated. Have a listen.
1: You know what? I didn't even realize that the, the playoff rules were different in overtime. So I, have, I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win. But I guess that's not the case. Um, so I don't really, I don't totally know the strategy there. Okay no. No, we haven't talked about it.
0: No, they're crazy. They're crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because the overtime rules has changed, where both teams get the ball, no matter who scores. So, you know, uh, originally you want to let, you want to let the other team get the ball, stop them holding the three, so you know where you got. Or if you stop them, and they punt it. Then all you have to do is kick three. For two weeks, we talked about the new overtime rule and how we was going. Um, Get a ball to the opponent if we, um, if they score, we was going for two at the end of the game. We kind of rehearsed it, and um, yeah,
2: so Chris Jones with much more detail than Kyle Ustchuk had. And on one hand, you can say, Does it really matter what the players know? On the other hand, I think it speaks to the level of detail that the Chiefs would naturally bring to the table, Chris, because. They're the reason the rule was changed. They've lived this. They've been in a game where it went to overtime, when it was touchdown, 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 touchdown. Whoever gets the ball first in overtime is going to score a touchdown. Oh, well, if the Bills had gotten the ball, they might have scored a touchdown too. So I think the Chiefs have more natural reason. I'm not making excuses for the 49ers here because I think you need to have all plans in place for all contingencies, but it seems like it permeated the Chiefs organization because they've lived it.
3: Yeah, I don't disagree, Mike, right? That's the first thought that came to my mind. The Chiefs are kind of the inventors of this new rule, or it was changed because of Mahomes and Josh Allen. I think the other thing that jumps to me is it does feel Belichickian, right, a little bit. You and I know stories, right, in that Super Bowl 51 with the Falcons and the Patriots leading up to the preparation of the game. Belichick had a feeling it might be an overtime typish game, He was preparing his coordinators for extra two-point plays and things of that nature for that moment. It's like It sounds like Andy Reid was very aware that this game would be that close and they could go to overtime, and he explained this to his team and how they would approach it. I mean, that's phenomenal football. That's phenomenal foresight by one of the greatest coaches of all time. So I think you line all those things up, Mike, and then you add on that something that we talk about all the time, right? The Chiefs are junkies. They are junkies. Like, they're obsessed with the sport. They're obsessed with all sports for the most part. And that, that's what makes them special is guys like Mahomes and Chris Jones and Kelsey. We see them watching sporting events always on top of everything, tweeting at it, whatever, on X. I mean, so, yeah, there is a – it shows you why they're great. They're into every facet of the game. Now, yeah, there's some conversation to be had on, does it really matter if the players know the exact rules? I'm not sure. I don't know. I do kind of find it unimaginable that Kyle Juszczyk doesn't even know that that was a real thing. That is kind of shocking, right? Just from a pure player standpoint, like, aren't you following the league? Don't you realize this has been a big topic of conversation for the last three, four years? That is surprising for guys that, you know, are in the NFL and seem as dedicated as a guy like Kyle Uschek.
2: And another reason for the Chiefs to be sensitive to the issue, they were burned by it in the 2018 AFC Championship when they went to overtime with the Patriots. The Patriots won the coin toss, exactly. went down the field and scored a touchdown. Right. Didn't spark an outcry then. The two times that Tom Brady scored a touchdown in overtime on the first drive of a postseason game, nobody said boo. When it happened, it benefited the football. Chiefs. Then let's go change the rules. Yeah. Then let's go change the rules. It's kind of, it's kind of, so it's something that the chiefs have reason to be aware of more than the 49ers. Right. And it comes down to how much you've only got so many hours in the two week window. How much time do you devote? Maybe Kyle Shannon and the 49ers looked at it as, Hey, if we get to overtime with the chiefs, that's a good problem to have. We'll figure it out when we get there. But the idea of having it planned all the way down to we want them to have the ball first, and if they score a touchdown and we match it, we're going to go for two, and this is the play we're going to use. That's one of the things where, you know, analytics needs to take a back seat to the reality of it. That's one of the things Sean Payton has said on this program in the past. Okay, it's time to go for two. Well, what play do we have? Do we feel good about it? Have we already used right. our, our goal right. line plays? Are we going to use it again? Do we have another one? Did we go, like you said, with Super Bowl 51? They had extra plays to use uh, in that setting if you had to do it. So um, I think that's important because from an analytic standpoint, look, we know that if you get to sudden death, if, if the 49ers score and the Chiefs match it and it goes to that third possession, and that's why Kyle Shanahan said he wanted the ball, he wanted the third possession. And as we said yesterday, there wasn't going to be a third possession. Based on the way the Chiefs were talking and the way they had it planned, there definitely wasn't going to be a third possession. They were going yeah, to go it for it. Like they it. were going to win it or lose right. it on the second possession. Right. They were going to but have power if you're of the, the
3: Chiefs,
2: situation. And, right. Yeah. Right. So it's 67% likelihood of winning when it goes to sudden death on a kickoff. And that's where you—that's where analytics is very useful so you can at least have a framework Oh, my God, he said something good about analytics. You can have a framework for your decision-making process. 67% historically is what happens when the team gets the ball from the opponent via kickoff to start a sudden death scenario. So I know I'm looking at 33% likelihood to win if we kick off. What's our likelihood of converting this two-pointer? It's better than 33%. Let's just do it here. That's It's easy. It's easy. Have a play ready, and do it. And hell, Chris, maybe the play they had ready for the two pointer so. was Tom and Jerry, right. corn dog, ketchup, and mustard.
3: Yeah, I think you're. That, that I, I'm glad you brought me there. I think that's exactly right. I think that's why they were calm. They noticed the 49ers were a little flustered, and they had a play that was very similar to what we saw earlier in the drive on the fourth and one, right? Obviously, they found something schematically with the little run fake to the left and then Mahomes boots to the right and somebody comes underneath. I mean, I don't know if we have it. Of course, the touchdown play, but the fourth and one run, guys, that was earlier in the drive. You know, I think to your point, they had a wrinkle or something in their playbook that they felt like, wow, okay, wait, they have trouble. So here we go. Way to go, guys. Fourth and one. You can see it's an RPO. Right, it has got an option like that. But in a lot of ways, it's the fake run to the left. Somebody comes across the formation, and this time it was Kelsey, right? And then you get to the touchdown that win the football game. It's a similar version of that, that they obviously felt good about that play, Mike, for sure. Now, the conversation of does it really matter, right? Does it really matter does, is Kyle Juszczyk not going to execute the same way or Trent Williams if they know or don't know the rules? You know, I think there's something to be said about that. A lot of players aren't in tune with every facet of the game that way. And I don't know if it necessarily changes the management of the game or how it was played just because, you know, the H-back or fullback didn't realize the rules of the football game. I think that's, you know, fair to argue those points.
2: But I think the other way to look at it, we're going to hear from Andy Reid in a second about this, but one way to look at it is to say, when you have it planned down to that level and your players know, and they're bought in and they're excited. Hey guys, here's what's going to happen with this new rule. They had to change. They didn't change it when we got screwed by it, but they changed it when we benefited from it. So, If we win the toss, they get the ball. Because if they score a touchdown, we score a touchdown, we're going all in. I'm telling you now. Get ready. We're going to be in Las Vegas, baby. We're going all in. We're going for two. Get your brain around that. I don't want anybody surprised when I go for two. You all understand. This is what we're doing. This is our little secret. And let's go do it. If it happens. But that, and I think that's just part of the way you give your players ownership of these situations. And it is something you can get excited about, like a trick play they put in. That's one of the reasons why the Chiefs are great. It's not robotic, it's not Stepford Patriots. Right. The players right. have ownership, the players are involved, and they have fun. Oh, isn't it fun to think about winning a Super Bowl with a two point conversion? That was their plan. And the only problem is they're so open with it now, Chris. Next time around, there's not going to be any secrets. Next time around, everybody's going to know what the Chiefs are going to do and what the Chiefs prefer in a situation like that.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. They That's where, again, gut analytics, if you want to question Kyle Shanahan or anything there, right, is maybe more than anything is just, hey, the gut of, wait, I don't want to give Mahomes all the power in a big situation. Right? I think maybe that's the thing you could argue more than anything. You know, I think people are going a little overboard in the criticism of Shanahan and what he did in the rule. I mean, again, I think the analytics, even State, kicking it off, receiving, it's kind of down in the middle from everything I heard from even coach friends who reached out to me and texting yesterday. Right, So it's not like it was like, oh, he went against analytics in such an egregious way it was wrong. And then, Mike, I think the other aspect, too, that's fair to at least assess, again, is that their defense was just on a field for a two-minute CrossFit session right at the end of the regulation. I mean, it was 11 plays of as fast and as intense football as you can get around to where do you want to put your defense out there right away once again and you kind of had to feel like, hey, Mahomes is hot. Do we just want to give him the ball again? Maybe we take the ball and let them cool off on the sideline. Those would be some things that would be going through my head if I was coaching the 49ers. But, you know, again, Shanahan's the only one that can answer those.
2: Well, and he didn't say that after the game. When it was fresh, he didn't say, my defense was tired. They were on the play for 23 of the final 31 plays of regulation. He could have said that. The plan going in was, we want the ball because we want the third possession. The thing he didn't know was there wasn't going to be a third possession. That's the, that's the right. trick that the Chiefs had ready for him. Hey Kyle, you that's want a third right. possession? That's never going to happen because we're either going to win it or lose it on the second possession. Um, the, the other side of this as well. Damn it, I had a thought. And it's just, it's just, it's just gone. Oh, oh, it's the whole mindset that that fourth and one from your own thirty-four. If you encounter that on the first drive, we talked about this yesterday. You're not going to go for it there. The Chiefs went for it there because they had to. That's the big thing for me. Three-down football versus four-down football. That's why you kick off to start overtime so you know exactly what you need. You're not flying blind. And that's why I think, Chris, that's why I think I would have rather given Brock Purdy the chance to have his moment and beat Patrick Mahomes at his own game. Let Mahomes drive down and score a touchdown. Then we'll be the ones. See, that's the difference between the two teams. The Chiefs have full faith that if the 49ers had scored a touchdown, we drive down, we get a touchdown, we score two points, we win a championship. Thank you very much. I don't think the 49ers felt the same level of confidence in their offense that they could answer a touchdown with eight points.
3: Well, I think we talked about it yesterday. It puts tremendous pressure on Purdy right off the bat, right? Like, wow, you're down seven, and you got to go down and score a touchdown right here. I think that aspect and also the aspect into the three-possession thing of hey, it's been a field goal game in the fourth quarter. So, you know, they get a we get a field goal, they get a field goal, we get a field goal, we win, right? But you're right. The aspect of not knowing that the Chiefs were like, no, they're not gonna be a third drive, we're going for it, is really the ultimate, ultimate power play there. That at least the, you know the Chiefs have that advantage. Now, I'll disagree with you though, right? Like if the if the 49ers on the first drive there had fourth and one on their own 37 or 38. I think we might've seen something like we saw the Ravens do in the AFC championship game where they go, whoa, wait, they came out hot. It's seven, nothing. We we can't let them have the ball again right now. We got to go. And knowing Mahomes, there, I do think that they probably would have gone for it. We saw Shanahan go for a fourth and three, you know, earlier in the fourth quarter with the out route to Kittle. Uh, yeah, I think that's one where he would have known, like, man, I can't just punt the ball back to Mahomes and let him kick a field goal and win the game. Uh, I do think he still had the fourth down in his pocket there, at least on their side of the ball. There,
2: the most fascinating question we won't know the answer to is, what would the Chiefs have done if they had if they had hit like fourth and two from the eight? Would they have taken the field goal? Or would they have gone for the the first down and eventually the touchdown? Go all in with your season to get that first down. Here's a question yeah. that did come up, posed to Andy Reid. What would you have done? Let's get all – forget about Chris Jones or anyone else talking about it. Here's Reid. What would you have done if you had won the coin toss in overtime?
4: So it, that, that can go either way. Um, so we would have um, kicked the ball off. The officials actually are on top of it right away. They're on it. Uh, there were still a couple seconds on the clock and the, we have the extra officials on the sideline and they were asking me what we would do and I said uh, we would kick off, made sure Patrick was on board with it, he he was the one who had to go out and, and do that uh, with the officials So, um, and then Dave Tobe ma- ma- making sure that he was there, but that we had already gone through all of that uh, the advantage of having Mike Frazier is he um, like I'm sure their guy did uh, does all these studies, and uh, we had it all mapped out. And we were able to cover it with the, you know, with the with the guys, and so every, everybody knew. Now, when it happened, uh, with that amount of time on the clock, I think we were all like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you know, so I, I know I know what McCall said there. Um, we just had this hard fought fight, and all of a sudden, it's a walk off. You know, it's that's it's a weird feeling that way.
2: Yeah, and McCall Hartman later explained that he understood the rules. He was just overwhelmed in the moment that because it was so sudden. I think, for me, it was like, oh, my God, that's it. The game's over. We've been sitting here and waiting and waiting yeah. and waiting and waiting, and now the game's over. Just like that, the Chiefs win. There's the confetti. Oh, my God. So, And he mentioned Mike Frazier. You've got your analytics guy that, that runs all those numbers, that has all those, those scenarios to aid you in the making of your decision. But the one thing you and I talked about yesterday, it's a decision that needs to be finalized in the moment. It feels like both teams had their decisions pre-baked without regard to whatever would have happened in the game. And I think that you need to still have that flexibility to change your mind in that spot based upon whatever has happened in the accumulation of the game up to that point.
3: Yeah, I I agree. You know, I can see... The way the game played out, both coaches having that mindset, you know, even if it wasn't pre-planned, I will say that, you know, I, I can see Shanahan taking that approach, even if they didn't go in the game with that plan, and the same thing for Andy Reid. But you know, I, I, I agree with you in the statement that you got to have a feel for the flow of the game and some of the other circumstances that are going around it. Like we talked about, you know, how do we feel about our defense and how fresh they are right now? How are we feeling right now with how we're moving the ball on the offensive side of the ball? And do we have a grasp of what the other team's defense is doing to us? I think those are all things that, you know, got to be taken into account at at the time.
2: All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to spin it forward as to what's next for the Chiefs and the 49ers. A little game of which doesn't belong and why. That's next here on PFT Live.
1: So your playing style is often described as innovative and unpredictable. So if you had to compare it to an approach, a non-football activity, what would that be and why? Um, man, that's a great question. Um, I,
3: I would say something like a, like a top-tier lawyer.
1: I think that'd be, that'd be the first thing that comes to my head. Someone that has to think on his feet, um, execute at the right
2: time, um, and deal with high-pressure situations. You know what? He's—he doesn't know how right he is, because when you go to a trial, you have everything planned out the way you want it to go. And I knew some lawyers who would over-plan. Too much is mapped out because you got to be ready while implementing your plan to deal with the plan the other side is implementing. It's just like football. We have our play. You have your play. One of them is going to work. One of them is not going to work. And you got to adjust to what the other side is doing, and try to turn it into something positive. He has no idea how right he is about that. And I have known over the years so many lawyers who will have everything planned down to the last word and then understand or fail to understand, like Mike Tyson once said, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. You walk into court, you get hit in the mouth with something you didn't expect. you got to be able to play it off. I'm serious. you got to be able to act like you expected it. You can't, I hear you. You can't I hear stand you. there and go, oh, uh, uh, I want to go home. So he's right. He's absolutely right. Well done, Patrick. He doesn't have that experience, but I do, and I can tell you 100% he's accurate.
3: All right, relax, relax. It's the last time we're comparing you to my homes ever, so just chill out. Enjoy the moment, all right? There you go. Yeah, you know, my head wasn't forehead. itchy at all last <laughs> week in Las Vegas. But, I don't know.
2: I just dry But, but out I hear there.
3: you. I hear you. I, I mean,
2: it, there's some similarities there.
3: And and, you know, you see a lot of like uh, ex-football players and quarterbacks end up on Wall Street, I think, because of the same type of thing. Thinking on your feet, the action, you got to be ready to go. Yeah. Right. It's the rush of it, the action. And then, of course, being able to think on your feet at a high level and do that is what makes, you know, those guys special lawyer, quarterback, Wall streeter, whatever you may be.
2: And this is a stat that you found to be very impressive, and I cannot disagree. On the final drive of the game in overtime, first and 10 on their own, 25, Mahomes was 8-for-8 with 42 passing yards and 27 rushing yards. He accounted for 69 of the 75 yards on the drive. He is the only quarterback in the last 30 years to go 8-for-8 with 27 or more rushing yards on any single drive in any game, regular season or postseason, and he did it in a game, in a moment, with a Super Bowl on the line. That is Patrick Mahomes. It's it's unreal to be that
3: awesome in that moment, to do that right there. I mean, again, I go back to cheat code, breaking the matrix. I mean, there's... There's no way to defend him at times, right? You know, I know I'm you know, it 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 was Joe Montana in the eighty eight Super Bowl. It just seems like it, it just he's unreal. And then the add the aspect, I think this is where to me it goes over the top, Mike, is that you know, I'm sitting there, I'm in the mezzanine level, I was sitting by your wife, I can watch the game like it's film and see it all. I mean, I, I'm I'm dead serious. And I says, I don't think he really missed an open receiver all night. Like, you talk about maximization of the game. You know, I didn't sit there and go, oh, man, he threw the ball away or got sacked and there was people open. I mean, on most plays, completions or incompletions, the 49ers defense was all over the Chiefs. But his ability to make the right throw, make the right run, make the right check is just next level, and that's why it feels cheat codish.
2: And that's why get ready for more of the same because he's only going to get better. We promise which doesn't belong and why. We deliver it next here on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live.
0: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort.
3: If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive.
1: So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
2: Super Bowl 59 logo is out. The NFL has predetermined that it will be the Chiefs against, is that the Seahawks? Is that their lime green Is that it, Chris? Is that who we've we've decided? Or Although there's purple in the background. There's purple in the background. Maybe there's hope for the Vikings.
3: Oh, gosh. Here we go. I mean, obviously red. I mean, damn, they need to find a new color in red. I mean, are they going to just keep every damn Super Bowl logo red with the Chiefs being the best team and just continue this conversation? But, I mean, aren't they the only lime green team in football? I mean, there's nobody else that I can really even... We'll for with that color, there's nobody else there, right? That's
2: the only ones. I really liked it when they had a unique logo for every Super Bowl that was unique to the city that had, you know, I don't know whether it was too expensive because we know we got to be careful with the money. We got to spend that money on improving efficiency. Oh, never mind. But yeah, I they, they were very sanitized for a few years. They at least have a little more life in them now. But uh, hard to discern who the NFL is predetermined will be in Super Bowl 59. We have plenty of time to think about that. All right. Which doesn't belong and why? Chiefs' notable free agents, three of them. Left tackle Donovan Smith, defensive tackle Chris Jones, cornerback Legereus Sneed. Which doesn't belong and why?
3: Well, I, I think the obvious one to me is just Donovan Smith, right? I mean, again, good player, but not to the status of the other two who are game changers. Guys that can change the way they schematically play on defense, the way another team plays on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, come on. How many big moments, not only over the last five or six years, but just in the game the other day, did we see Chris Jones bust through the defensive line, or offensive line, excuse me, on a big must-have-it play for the the Chiefs defense? I mean, it was a big reason the 49ers – we're, what, 25% on third down, right? Three for 12, if I remember correctly. So that Legereus seat is one of the best corners in football. Hopefully everybody realizes that now, too. Man-to-man on an island for a good part of the game against Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Donovan Smith seems a little more expendable. That's why I guess I picked him, Mike.
2: I mentioned yesterday there was a time when other teams would clamor to overpay key players from a Super Bowl-winning team in order to weaken that team and also to make themselves better. But let's break up the champion. Let's kill the dynasty. And, Chris, I'm going to make a way too early, but not really all that early in the grand scheme of things because we're about a month away from free agency right now. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to try to sign Chris Jones. I think Chris Jones doesn't belong because somebody is going to overpay him, and I think Jim Harbaugh is going to show up in a big way and shell out the money. Hey, hey, Dean Spanos, you want to prove to the world you aren't cheap? Well, you already have by paying me $16 million a year. But let's go take away Chris Jones. Let's put him in the middle of that line with Joey Bosa. Are you kidding me? On the outside and Khalil Mack on the other side, are you kidding me? That's the only way we got a chance against Mahomes. Let's unleash Chris Jones on Mahomes. I think the Chargers are going to go after him.
3: Well, I don't doubt he'll be a hot commodity. He's still one of the two or three best defensive tackles in all of football. There's no doubt about that. You know, and yeah, to your point, an AFC team or whoever is competing with the Chiefs, you know, yeah, they'd love to steal him and get him, get him the hell out of there. But what's that gonna take? How much money is he gonna want? I do feel like if the Chiefs can even get in the ballpark of another team, he'll stay with the Chiefs. Just, I mean, even this past year. and you know, He could have held the Chiefs' feet over the fire a little bit more to collect more money here and make it a little more tough on them in this situation. But I think he realizes the specialness of what he's involved in right now in this dynasty run. So I, I do think he'll, the Chiefs could maybe benefit from a little bit of a hometown discount. But it can't be so egregious that it's just act absolutely stupid to take $5, 8000000 million less a year.
2: Yeah. Well, somebody is going to grossly overpay him and I think get him away from the Kansas City Chiefs. That's my prediction. Probably. 49ers defensive line free agents. Which doesn't belong and why? Chase Young, Javon Kinlaw, Cleveland Farrell. Which doesn't belong and why? Well,
3: I, I guess, you know, at a base level, I just look at Cleveland Farrell to go, okay, he's not a big name, so I'll throw him out there right? I think that's the first one, but he's a good, solid, rotational football player that you want on your team. The other guys, you know, when it gets into Kinlaw, top 13 draft pick from a few years ago, right? He does add depth to their D line. Be interesting to see what he does. And then Chase Young, yeah, they traded for him, right? But he wasn't exactly overwhelmingly dominant throughout the year. He played pretty good the other night in the Super Bowl, but I think that was about as much as we saw him in any game. Uh, I guess I'd go with Clayton Farrell just because of the the lack of the star power attached to the name there.
2: And I'll go with Chase Young just because I think he may have done enough in Super Bowl 58 to get somebody to maybe, Stay on. maybe yeah. peel off some cash that wouldn't have been there. You know, he was kind of AWOL- in the nfc championship and there's been questions about effort and pursuit and whatever he had a he had a pretty good game for the 49ers and that could help him when it's time to go get paid and he has yet to get paid in his nfl career break time the cowboys have hired their new defensive coordinator unless they haven't unless they have we'll tell you what's going on in dallas when pft live returns right after this
3: Whoa, we got some big basketball going on. Women's basketball on Peacock. It's the Big Ten, and it is the star of stars in college basketball. Caitlin Clark is about to break Kelsey Plum's record for most points scored by any woman in NCAA history. It could all go down on Thursday when Iowa hosts Michigan live February 15th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern exclusively on Peacock.
2: Well done. All right. Uh, uh, maybe I'll watch a little college basketball now that football is over. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Football is over, but we'll still be around until June or thereabouts, because there'll be plenty to talk about. Here's something to talk about. Dallas Cowboys, Mike Zimmer, finally, officially the defensive coordinator in Dallas, back where he was from 1994 through 2006, the last seven seasons as defensive coordinator before he went to Cincinnati. And, I don't want to go too far inside baseball on this, and I'm not going to say anything bad about ESPN here, but they had a moment on Sunday when Shefty reported on their Super Bowl edition of the Sunday NFL Countdown show that the Zimmer deal was done, and then Rex Ryan followed up and said, no, it's not. No, it's not. I know it's not. And Rex was a candidate for it. And yesterday, before it was reported the Zimmer deal was done, Schefter reported that the Zimmer deal might not be done, and that Rex was back in play. And all I'm going to say is this. All I'm going to say is this. After 15 years with NBC and being in these moments and being in meetings and having detailed outlines where we all know what the show is going to be, I've never had a situation where I report something and one of the analysts takes a big dump on it just after I finish talking. Teamwork, good teamwork, results in all those things being smoothed out before anybody opens their mouth on camera. That's all I'm going to say about it. End of the day, it was right. Zimmer gets it. But it sounds like it got a little rocky yesterday. It was probably probably a little something to do with money, Chris, because we know Jerry doesn't like to spend any more than he has to.
3: Yeah, I would, I, would, I would think it's that. That's kind of the thoughts that went through my mind, that maybe there was a, a contract disagreement. But I think this is along the lines of what, You know, Dallas and Jerry Jones seem to like guys that they know or they feel like they can control. And that's what we've kind of seen in the recent history with Jerry Jones and the Jones family owning it. I'm shocked by it. I'm not going to lie. I am. I mean, again, I got great respect for Mike Zimmer, right? Getting up there in years, we know that. Also, I would say the last few years as far as what the Minnesota Vikings defenses look like with him as the head coach of the football team, they weren't necessarily impressive. I mean, his last three years as a head coach, we're talking uh, 30th-ranked defense, 27th-ranked defense, 14th-ranked defense. I don't think we were watching Vikings games going, oh, wow, they're a juggernaut on that side of the ball. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little surprised to see the Cowboys go this route and go with Mike
1: Zimmer
2: three playoff appearances in eight seasons as head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, I thought at one point yesterday about texting him to see if, uh, if the deal was done, but he probably would not have reacted well to my text because he continues to believe that I got him fired. That's true story. He believes I got him fired. If I had that kind of power, I would not be using it for those purposes. That's for damn sure. All right, let's take a break. When we return a draft of the unsung heroes from Super Bowl 58. That's next here on PFT live.
1: Appreciate. It. Thank y'all. Can I take
4: this Gatorade? Hey, can y'all still recording?
3: Y'all still recording? Hey, Gatorade, listen. Let me tell y'all something. Hey, I love y'all so much. This Gatorade, I love it.
0: Uh, this is probably my favorite kind, of action. If y'all need, you know, anybody to do anything for y'all, uh, you know, give me a call. You know.
4: Thank
2: y'all. Nicole Hardman trying to get himself a little Gatorade deal. I always love the look, and I think they started it about. 15 years ago I think I first noticed it after the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl where you take the big t-shirt and put it over your jersey and pads because I remember Eli Manning kind of looked like Frankenstein with that t-shirt on right. I mean, it was just it's a weird look to have a t-shirt over top of your jersey and pads but that was Nicole Hardman enjoying his time after the Super Bowl all right unsung heroes from Super Bowl 58 we have a trivia question Ooh, that's a rarity Chris, Patrick, football historian, let's see how much history you know. Patrick Holmes was the second quarterback to ever lead his team in both passing and rushing yards in a Super Bowl victory. Who was the first?
3: Ooh, this is a good one. You know, my dad I know was up there in this. I don't know if that's the correct answer, and I'm not going to choose that. I'm going to go with Steve McNair uh against the rams and what was that super bowl 34 i believe i'm gonna go
2: oh he has to win he didn't win i got you all right all right hold on a second you're very close you're very close you're very close no you're very close in names go ahead go ahead go ahead steve Give him young. The, who is it we just sat oh. him last week laissez-faire oh my god you took a very laissez-faire approach to that question steve young football historian 325 passing yards 49 rushing yards in super bowl 29 they didn't need many rushing yards every pass play they called that game worked all right unsung heroes from super bowl 58 and i and I am reminded that when Pete handles one of these drafts, he does a great job. And I'm not being sarcastic. He does a great job of giving us options. So thank you, Pete. Chris, you're up.
3: All right. Well, I'm going to go with one that just an uh, incredible moment of the football game. We sometimes don't give guys credit for their ability to jump on a football and corral it. And that's where I'm going to go with Jalen Watson. Jalen Watson is the one that recovered the – Muff pun of Ray-Ray McLeod that went off the foot of I can't remember exactly who it was. But in that moment right there, 10-6 to football game, 49ers are about to get the ball back. Ball's loose on the field, and it wasn't an easy one to recover, right? There was a lot of 49ers around. Jalen Watson for a DB, usually a DB because they don't have great hands, did an incredible job jumping on that fumble. And then the next play, of course, we know resulted in a Chiefs touchdown. Whoa, we lost Florio. Man, I like it. Man, I'm still here on Zoom. All right, well, I'm going to continue my drip, draft. My next one, I think, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with George Carlaptis, okay, of the Kansas City Chiefs. Along the same lines, Carlaptis big fumble recovery on the first drive of the football game, okay. Not, not only that, again, similar to Jalen Watson where there was a lot of 49ers players around the ball, right? So still a possession there, but even Carlathis beyond that. Carlathis' presence was known throughout the football game. He was around the football a lot. He was really good on the edge on the McCaffrey run game. He got around Purdy a bunch. Again, the stats won't say it, but he effed some plays up, as we know, Mike.
2: Did you get my first pick? Or was I dead? No, we
3: did. You were dead. Trent
2: McDuffie. Trent McDuffie was my first pick with the defensive play of the game, the blitz on Brock Purdy that screwed up the play that if they had converted, the 49ers might have had a walk-off field goal to win the game in very anticlimactic fashion. And then my second pick would be Harrison Butker, who had four field goals on the day, including the 57-yarder, the longest in Super Bowl history. He now has the record all-time in Super Bowls with nine field goals Made in his career. Let's take a break. One more round. When PFT Live continues right after this. All right, there are picks so far for the unsung heroes in Super Bowl Fifty Eight. Christopher, you are up. Well, all right.
3: I mean, the the last one I'm going to go with is Nick Bosa, right? Nick Bosa was. I I'm going to say, other than Chris Jones, who I can't call an unsung hero because he won the game and he gets a lot of credit. I would say Nick Bosa maybe was the best defensive player on the football field. He had 12 pressures, you know, effed a lot of plays up, was big in the run game coming off the edge and pursuing on the backside. Had Mahomes flustered and made Mahomes move a bunch. I'll go Bosa, Mike.
2: I'm going to go Tommy Townsend, the punter for the Chiefs. Punted five times, had a solid average, and most importantly – Got that high snap down on the 57 yard field goal. I saw that snap and I thought, there is no way that ball is going to make it 57 yards. And it was that three iron that was hit low and it was no more than 20 He's feet off the ground ball. and it made it. And to get that ball down in position for Harrison Butker to hit it the way he did, very impressive. That's it. Very impressive. Back home. Jawan do, Jennings. Do we got to give him some
3: love, too. He was an unstop so We'll hero. give
2: him a little love, too. But, but how are you a hero if your team lost? I'm sorry. I like guys who won. That's it. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. See
3: ya.
0: Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.